Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions. An accidental company. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the At TSN Hockey Bobcast for, um, huh, it's a good question. What is this for? Well, I mean, we can use this week's date, the week of September 10th, 2018. But I don't even know what episode number to call this. I guess we'd call it season three. Yeah, season three. It's the third year we're doing it, so season three. But I'm not even sure you can call this a Bobcast in the traditional sense. So I'm not quite sure how to do the labeling. And to be honest, I have been giving a little bit of thought to the Bobcast, um, and I'm going to be giving much more thought to it. What form it should take this season? Should I even continue to do it? Trying to noodle around with a lot of stuff in my mind and sort through all of that. So for now, I guess, let's call this the Liar Liar Pants on Fire edition of the Bobcast. And, and savvy Bobcast listeners will know what I'm talking about. The last Bobcast I did was June 15th, 2018, right after the Cup Final and just before the NHL Awards and the Draft. And at, at the end of that one, um, which if I look back here was season two, episode 20, I suggested, and I should point out, I, it was not a promise, it was only a suggestion, that I might follow it up four or five days later with a mini Bobcast to um, sort of handle the overflow of team-related questions um, that I didn't get to that day. Well, you know, I got to Vegas for the awards and, and I was busy with draft prep amongst other things. The other things would be having dinner at Beauty in Essex in the Cosmopolitan. And by the way, if you ever happen to be in Las Vegas and you happen to be in the Cosmopolitan Hotel, by all means, I'm urging you to go to Beauty in Essex. That's the restaurant, Beauty and Essex. Um, it's one of the best restaurants I've ever been to, bar none. And so, um, as I said, between Draft Prep and Beauty in Essex, the old mini Bobcast kind of fell through the cracks in Vegas. Sorry, not so sorry. The the real apology, though, is that um, Season 2, Episode 21, which was supposed to be the final Bobcast of the 2017-2018 season, well, it, uh, it, it never got done. And, and quite frankly, I just ran out of time. That week leading up to free agency, I was running around like my hair was on fire. Everything also seemed to be so fluid in the days leading up to free agency that I really feared whatever I laid down on tape a few days before free agent frenzy would be dated so quickly. And I sure as hell wasn't going to come back after July 1 when I went on vacation and do a Bobcast. Anyways, one thing led to another. Finally, I had to say, F it, can't get it done. Sorry, actually sorry on that one. So um, all of our Bobcast listeners will be getting an absolutely full refund for me dropping the ball on episode 21 last late June. Uh, of course, since the Bobcast doesn't cost you anything at all, you're getting nothing unless maybe you count these uh, bonus Bobcasts I'm doing this week. And, and let's explain what the hell these are. Um, as I've sketched it out here, there are going to be seven of them, one each for uh, the, the, the seven Canadian teams. And, and I guess that these are more or less previews 
of what the opening day roster should look like for those seven Canadian teams. And I guess I want them to effectively replace the general manager interviews that I've done in the past number of years. Now, um, people will remember, and I've gone started the, the season every year for the last three, four, five years, whatever it is, um, going to Penticton in British Columbia for the Rookie Showcase Tournament. It was great. The Vancouver Canucks were there. The Jets were there. Uh, the Oilers, the Flames. So I had all four Western Canadian general managers all in one location. Uh, and I could zip in for like two days and, and bang out four in-depth sit-down interviews with the, the GMs. Well, this year the, the Canucks and Jets were there, but the Oilers and Flames weren't. They stayed in Alberta to do uh, sort of informal rookie games in their own area. And so... I just scrapped the whole Penticton trip. If I couldn't get all four GMs in one place, it, it became a little too difficult to do. Um, in the past, it was easy peasy. This year, not so much. So I didn't go to Penticton. And this year, instead, I, I spent the weekend uh, that I normally would have been in Penticton and then coming back to, to rookie tournaments in Toronto or Montreal. Um, I talked to the general managers uh, of the Western Canadian teams over the phone and as well as the coaches, and, and just basically tried to hammer down and, and get a feel for what their uh, their teams are going to look like. Now, you know, I, I view these as replacements for the general manager interviews, and some fans are going to get all up in my grill about the fact that I did interview Toronto Maple Leaf general manager Kyle Dubas last week, and uh, the, everybody's going to start with the whole, oh, you like the Toronto Sports Network, and we, we get all the time anyways, which is fine. But um, the, the two reasons I did the Dubas interview as a one-off, uh, as opposed to doing all the other guys, is that, number one, he's the new kid on the block, never interviewed Dubas, and uh, all the other general managers had been interviewed multiple times before. And number two, um, I could get in my car and drive downtown to get the interview with Dubas, and that's why it ended up being a really easy one-off for me. Um, but if you're a fan of the Canadian team um, outside of the Leafs, and I, and I will get to the Leafs eventually, um, then you've come to the right place for what I think is a really detailed look at your club as training camps get set to open this week. So whatever you want to call these, I do hope you enjoy them. And sometime over the next couple of weeks, I am going to take a little more time to think about the Bobcast, the form it was in last year, the form it should be in this year. Um, should I do it every week? Can I do it every week? Should I do it just stick to every other week? Should I interview people, have guests? I don't know. I, a lot of things to think about and uh, and whether it's even worth doing because, as I said, um, I just started doing the Bobcast out of the goodness of my heart. And so um, if it makes sense, I'll do it. And if it doesn't, I won't. But anyways, I'll think about all that. In the meantime, here's a preview of the Vancouver Canucks. Man, oh man, there's a lot to unpack on the Vancouver Canucks summer of 2018. I guess we could talk at length about the departure of President Trevor Linden and what all of that's going to mean in the grand scheme of things. I suppose we could also discuss, as many in Vancouver already have since July 1st, the Canucks' strategy of buying time for their talented young kids, like giving four-year deals to bottom half of the lineup forwards, guys like Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel. Or I guess we could go all lions and unicorn and rainbows and, and just say, let's accentuate the positive and wax poetic on the, the bright future of Brock Besser or Elias Pettersson or Adam Gadet or Jonathan Dolan. And I think really, if if we just take a guided tour through the, the, the very uncertain projection of an opening day roster for Vancouver, at least up front, I, I think we'll probably end up touching on all of those things 
to varying degrees. But let's let's quickly start with the Linden discussion. I know it was billed in the summer um, when I was on holidays, and I saw it as Trevor and the organization mutually parting ways. Everybody's happy. Thanks. We're just uh, parting ways. I'm not convinced it was necessarily all that mutual, to be honest. I, I don't think... It, it, listen, I saw some of the fallout afterwards where people said, you know, Linden, Lin, uh, Trevor Linden and Jim Benning were at each other's throats and all that. I, I don't think there was an overt schism per se between Linden and, and Benning, but I do believe that Linden was endorsing a patient rebuild plan that probably wasn't being shared by ownership. And of course, ownership's the boss. So I think it's fair to say the Aquilinis have been for a while pushing for a more aggressive rebuild than Trevor Linden was really comfortable with. And that Trevor's vision was to continue being patient, if you want to call it that, um, or in other words, bottoming out and maybe giving themselves the best chance possible of a, getting a potentially matching set of hues. Now, Quinn, of course, is the dynamic defenseman Vancouver took in the first round of the 2018 draft. And he's going to be skating this season at the University of Michigan. Um, and, and I think that's good for his development. I'm sure the Canucks probably would have liked that a little sizzle to their back end with a new face there. But um, in any case, uh, Quinn's older brother, Jack, as everybody knows, is the de facto number one prospect, a potential franchise center um, in this year's draft. Now, long story short, as, as I understand it as best I can, if Trevor wasn't going to be totally in simpatico with ownership, um, I think he was given a not so subtle nudge to the door. And, and I wouldn't, as I said before, I, I don't think this was a case of Linden and Benning, Benning brawling as much as it was ownership saying, this is the direction we wanting to go. Trevor at times saying, well, I think we've got to be more careful here, offering some resistance to maybe doing that. And ownership saying, hey, you know what? We don't need resistance. But whatever it was, what's done is done. It's onward and um, upward. Of course, the, you know, the really funny thing is that most pundits would suggest that it really doesn't matter, that you can dress up the third and fourth lines of the Vancouver Canucks with Roussel or Beagle. But um, the Canucks are at, still destined to bottom out this season and that a matching set of Hughes brothers could still very well be a reality. Of course, the lottery balls have to fall the right way. And in any case, we will see. Um, I, I know the Canucks are still mostly peddling hope, peddling hope, and they've got a talented group of young forwards. There's no doubt about that. I think the only two real givens up front in what I would say is a highly volatile-looking lineup card are center Bo Horvat and right winger Brock Besser. You know, Horvat's not a prototypical number one flashy point-producing NHL center, but boy, he's a good hockey player, high-end number two center. And and he's got to be the stabilizer or rudder on this ship, especially up front. Now, Besser, I mean, he's the sophomore pro, and he might have won Rookie of the Year if he hadn't been injured, but um, he's got star qualities. That shot, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, what a shot that is. And and I, the one thing I'm a little concerned about is that it is maybe a little unfair or there could be a fear that he's going to be asked to do too much too soon in this configuration as a first-line winger. But uh, he's, a, he's a talent, and uh, uh, he looks like he's got the temperament to figure it out as he goes along. Uh, as for who plays alongside Horvat and Besser on the top line, well, it literally could be just about any forward on the Canuck roster. I think Nikolai Goldobin's going to get a chance. Uh, to show that he's ready to do it. I think Brendan Leipzig might be a possibility there. 
uh, might even be Sven Barchi. They may even give Louis Erickson a little bit of a tour of, of duty over on that side. Um, I, I think the original off-season plan or projection for uh, young Jonathan Dolan is that it was more likely to start the season in Utica and be primed for a call-up. But I also got the sense, the early sense, out of Vancouver Canuck rookie camp was let's not be so hasty in discounting Dolan as an NHLer to start the season. Fair enough, just don't rush things. Um, but I think the bigger questions, and, and they are questions, um, really focus on the young centers. Specifically, are these guys ready? And, and that is, can the gifted and dynamic Elias Pedersen, is he good enough to be an NHL second-line center right now? Um, and the other question, obviously, is can the all-round game and, 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 and a seemingly, you know, relatively speaking, a mature game of Adam Gaudet, can that translate to third-line center right now for the Vancouver Canucks? Man, there are a lot of variables. I mean, after a dominant year against men in, in, in Sweden, I don't think very many doubt that Pedersen's ready to play in the NHL right now. But can he be a center, a second-line center? That's, that's, that's what we're going to find out. If not, and, and Pedersen has to play the wing, um, then I guess there's one more name to throw into the hopper as to who could conceivably play alongside Horvat and Besser on the top line. And if, if Pedersen's not ready for second-line center, could Gaudet slide from third-line center to second-line center spot? But there's no point asking that question because we haven't even answered the original one, which is, is he ready for a third-line center role right now? Um, I guess if Pedersen is a second-line center out of the gate, then the next questions are, who's he play with? Um, if they want to insulate him defensively, one consideration I think they might kick around would be for the Canucks to put veteran center Brandon Sutter on Pedersen's right wing. Uh, Sutter could certainly help with face-offs in a big way. And you know, it doesn't matter whether you're Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid, every great player that comes into the National Hockey League, and Pedersen certainly has a chance to be a great player, every great player who plays center as an 18 or a 19 or as a 20-year-old who comes into the NHL, what's the one thing at the end of the year where he really struggled? It's almost always on face-offs. And I, and I don't think the Canucks want to be in a situation where Pedersen's good enough to play second line center, but is getting killed on, you know, 30% on the faceoffs because you're starting without the puck so often. So, you know, could Sutter be a consideration to play wing to help him out um, with the centers when he's out there? Perhaps, um, you know, who else who could play with uh, Pedersen? You, you want somebody, basically, you want somebody who's skilled, uh, more skilled and a, and a greater offensive presence than, than necessarily Brandon Sutter. Um, could it be Barchi? Yeah, sure, it could be. Um, and it could basically be every winger we named as a potential left-side fit for Horvat and, and Besser. I mean, if your head is spinning right now with all these possibilities and permutations, I, I think I would say welcome to head coach Travis Green's world. Uh, like most coaches in, in the game today, I think Green realizes the way to go now is three offensive lines as best you can and one defensive or shut down or hard to call it whatever you want, hard to play against line. Canucks might not have enough NHL-ready youngsters with skill to fill three lines, um, but I do believe that Green has the potential pieces to create one, if not two, hard-to-play-against shutdown lines. You could have Sutter between Tim Schaller and Antoine Roussel. I mean, you could have Beagle between um, Leipzig and Vertanen. You could mix and match a lot of those different types of players 
um, which does give you um, the belief that, you know, the, the Canucks could have solid third and fourth lines, but, um, you know, you're still relying on the kids to drive the first and second lines to a large degree. Um, reality is there's so many options, which is maybe not necessarily to be confused with uh, so many outstanding options. What we can say about the forward competition in the Canucks camp, I think, is that well, all, all eyes will be on the kids, and rightfully so, because Besser, Pedersen, Dahlin, Cadet, these guys are exciting players in their own right. Um, but I, I do believe the reality is there are way, way, way too many NHL contract forwards on this roster right now. Um, you know, it's... Uh, you look at the guys that weren't signed to deals this summer, in other words, everybody but Beagle, Roussel, and Schaller, I think a lot of these guys may be in danger of, of losing jobs and maybe even NHL careers. I know Sam Gagne's got a couple of years left. Marcus Granlin's got a year left. But I think the feeling is they need to step up. I think Goldobin and Leipzig, I'm not saying they're right at the crossroads, but they're not far off the crossroads. And we haven't mentioned Brendan Gauntz and Darren Archibald and Tyler Mott, the, the, the depth options last year. Um, those guys start to become even pushed further down the lineup with the arrival of all these veteran presences. And they're going to have to battle like crazy to, to hold on to an NHL roster spot. And even if they do get sent to the American League, now they've got to deal with the possibility that the first call-up isn't them, but Cole Lind. Jonah Gadjevich or Petrus Palmu or some of those younger guys that the, the Canucks are working into the system. So the, the margins might get a little better for the vets on this team if the kids prove not to be ready. But you also really get the feeling that this veteran herd in Vancouver needs to be thinned and is going to be thinned out um, by the time this training camp and early part of the season um, is over. Now, if you are a really cockeyed optimist in Vancouver, and to be honest, I'm not sure how many of that species even exists there, um, you want to believe that most of these kids are going to step up and make immediate impacts in the top half of the lineup. Um, and, and, the, and that the strategy of throwing you know, what we think is too much money for too long at guys like Beagle, Roussel, and, and Schaller, and, and Gagne is going to stabilize the bottom half. And when you put it all together, ta-da, the Canucks are going to be more competitive than anyone expects. Um, you know, I guess that's possible. Now, the nightmare, the reverse nightmare scenario is the kids aren't, most of the kids aren't nearly ready, and that the Canucks end up turning this season into a plumber's ball. Um, and I, I suppose anything in between those two extremes is entirely possible. Um, as much unpredictability as there is up front, um, things look pretty much status quo on the defense. Um, Canucks are banking on Ed Alex Edler coming back at age 32, being healthy and as, an, as on top of his game as he possibly can be. And I go, same thing for, for Chris Tanev. Uh, oh, he's soon to be 29 years old. Time flies, eh? Um, they want him to rebound to good health and, and play at a really high level. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that Edler and Tanev are automatically, at, uh, you know, together as a top pair. I think Green's keeping all his options open on that front. And I think on the depth chart, um, beyond those guys, Edler on the left and Tanev on the right, man, it's wide open. And I think there are probably too many variables 
to accurately forecast what the pairings might be. But we do know this. Travis Green is a very strong righties play the right side, lefties play the left side. So if you're looking at that left side depth chart, it starts with Edler and then basically everyone else. And you decide on your own pecking order for Michael Delzato, Ben Hutt, and Derek Pouliot. All of them are in the final year of their contracts. There's a sense that all of them need to really step up, that it's a crossroad year for them, not just with the Canucks, but maybe in the NHL. On the right side, um, it's a little more defined. Um, Tanev at the top of the food chain, if healthy. Uh, they've got Troy Stetcher, Erica Branson, and Alex Piega battling it out um, below, below um, Tanev. So when you look at this Canucks overall defense, the seven or eight guys that are likely to constitute it, uh, no one's going to confuse it with Robinson, Savard, and Lapointe, uh, that's for sure. I, I guess the X factor on the blue line is Oliu Levy. Everybody knows the 20-year-old, what is what was he, fifth overall pick in 2016, uh, may or may not be ready to step in as an NHL defenseman. Um, one would have to think the opportunity is there, um, that it would be real easy if he's good to displace one of those returning players. But I think that's also up to Yolevi. And, uh, you know, he's... He, I think there were such high hopes for him when he was drafted fifth overall. Um, and I don't think, I think it's way too early to write him off. But also the fact that we're sitting here talking about whether or not he's going to challenge um, a rather average group of NHL defensemen um, also tells you that, you know, he does lack a dynamic quality to his game and that there may be some patience involved here and not to say that he can't still become a good defenseman, but uh, kind of it is what it is at this point and we'll see where it goes from there with Yulevi. Uh Goaltending could also be a real case of the same old, same old with the return of Jakob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom and Anders Nilsson. Uh, Markstrom comes into camp, I suppose, with a little bit of an edge as the number one but not that much. I, I think at the end of the day, Travis Green just wants someone to stop the puck. Not too, not overly choosy on which guy it is. And they platoon in tandem. That's great. If one guy dominates and is better than the other guy, so be it. Um, just stop the puck. The big question, obviously, in that is whether the uh, soon-to-be 23-year-old 2014 second-round pick, um, third-year pro, is it, I guess, Thatcher Demko, is the NHL ready? That's the question. Um, but in this case, the definition of NHL ready is that he's got to be able to play the lion's share of the games. NHL ready is a number one goalie in the NHL. There's, the, the Canucks know there's no percentage here in backup duty for Demko being on the, the roster as a backup. Canucks would rather have him do what he's been doing the last few years, the last couple of years here, playing 40-plus games, maybe as many as 50 or 60 in Utica, than 20 or less in Vancouver. So the only way he sticks around on a full-time basis is if he demonstrates early and often that he is the team's number one goalie and ready for that associated workload. So I guess well, let's look at the big picture here. In summation, what have we got? Well, the, um, the Canucks are coming back with the same basic goaltending, unless Demko surprises and steals the number one job. Uh, they're coming back with mostly the same D, albeit maybe a little healthier than they were in the past. And uh, so same goaltending, same D, more or less, for a 73-point team um, that expects to have 
more potential changes up front than you could possibly imagine. But also, with I don't know if there's any overwhelming reason to believe that all the change up front necessarily translates into an automatic, we're getting more points out of the deal. So, in other words, the kids could be great. They could make them a lot they could make the Canucks a lot more hopeful than they have been and that's certainly something is it not but does it necessarily translate into any quantum leap forward um, for Vancouver in the standings and I suspect the answer is no and in fact it's quite possible uh, could be less so you know in the end of the day I know ownership's got a desire to be com- more competitive sooner rather than later but that aside, I think most believe the best and most direct route um, for the Canucks getting back to the glory years, if you want to call them that, means getting a set of bunk beds for the Hughes brothers. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's At TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.